Plato has once said that the price we pay for apathy towards public relations is to be ruled by evil men. Doesn't this remind you of Europe today? To me, it does. We have Putin taking Crimea with guns and propaganda. We have Le Pen marching through France with, uh, with extreme nationalism and populism. We have another marathon of exits starting from Grexit to Brexit. Now we have Nexit even. And all this might lead to a very big uh, O fail, our fail, to stop the bad guys. So today I want to focus on what makes those bad guys so successful. And one part of them of, of it is content, which is manipulating with fear and with discontent. But another part is being simply good with communication tools. So I will dwell, in the, dwell into those communication tools that are very well used by the bad guys and not that good by the good guys, not that well by the good guys. <clears throat> so over the last two years, I followed the Kremlin propaganda campaign very closely, being at the very forefront of monitoring it, debunking lies, and also uh, informing, and informing our partners at NATO and EU that all of this, what is happening, is not just a simple flow of ideas. It is a very well-planned and organized information campaign, information aggression. And uh, often, propaganda, when, when, uh, when, our, when we hear the word propaganda, is associated with something very mysterious, sophisticated, and complex. As if, you know, imagining the room of Russia today or or NTV uh, as a magic sorcerer's room with magic spells and, and, and mixtures. Well, it isn't. If you follow propaganda for some time, you can recognize some very basic patterns, which are emotions, repetition, and focus. There are surely more tricks and hidden measures. Some of them are even imported from psychological and information operations. But these three elements, they help a lot. And they're not new, neither exclusive. And all of us in this room, we know them. But we don't use them. I mean, the conventional politicians, we don't use them. Uh, they don't use them well enough. And a result, as a result, we don't lead. We follow the public debate. And I think it's time to change that. So first element, emotions, or pathos. I spent num numerous meetings discussing what makes the Russian propaganda so appealing, especially appealing to those who never lived in the, in the Soviet Union nor live in the, current, uh, in the current Russia. And at the same time, what we as the West can do, what kind of alternatives we can offer. Uh, the Russian, the Kremlin uh, TV programs, they. Uh, offer a lot of entertainment, uh, they relax attention, it's about laugh people, about emotions. So what the, West did, what the West did as a response to that, we offered news program. We offered news program, 10 to 30 minutes, talking heads, about informing about what is happening in the world. So news, 
versus a very flashy pop concert uh, and, and also talk show, etc. So me being a, a mother of three kids, to me it resembles you know, a choice between a salad and the sweets. <laughs> Have you ever tried to convince your two-year-old it does good to your health? <laughs> I mean, never helped with, with my kids. And it doesn't work in the real world as well. And having spent 15 years in institutional communication, both international and national, I can firmly state that there is a kind of an official policy of eradication of emotions. This kind of uh, emotions of uh, anything that is personal. It's like emotions genocide and, and also proliferation of data, of, of statistics. Uh, and there is a special, even special genre of meeting speeches uh, that actually not speeches, but there are checklists. There are, they are delivered not for people in the room, but for people outside the room who sit at, back in the capitals at their computers and just check you know, the, the, uh, the, the elements that, are, that they want to hear. And I see actually that task in the nearest and the coming future outsourced to robots or drones, those speeches, because they are not to persuade, they are to protect the bureaucracy back at home. And uh, on the other side, propaganda masters this, the, the, the skill of talking to me, not just throwing data to me within a professional speak. And I think we should admit that we are humans in the end and insert those emotions. Propagandists and extremists, even terrorists know it. And why do we give up this element so easily to be used only to them? I know it's easier said than done, I spent two years trying to insert anything, personal emotions, uh, into a speech of my previous master, and I succeeded only, I think, one out of 10 times. But I consider that as a success, it means we can do it. And to me, more human speech starts from a very simple thing, not asking to send you in written uh, information about you know, the, the, the memo need, or the brief uh, via email, because then we receive a long, uh, a long memo and not necessarily the most up-to-date. So it helped me just to pick up the phone and talk to, or an ideal world, to talk to people directly. Because then sentences like this the proposed changes are effectively restricting this restriction and allowing as permitted the development, blah, 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 will never come our way. <clears throat> so let's add more personal elements and more emotions to, to our speeches. Second is about clarity and repetition of the right words. I'm sure that everyone in this room remembers the moment when we were looking for the word. Physically, especially for those who are not the, uh, the uh, English speakers, or mentally opening the, you know, the thesaurus and looking uh, and choosing from you know, fascinating, magnificent, or stunning, or marvelous. And we know that every minute spent on this is worth it. <clears throat> because our words, they do have wings but they can also be weapons. I co go back to the Russian case, to the propaganda case. Um, Russian aggression in Eastern Ukraine. 
Uh, and here it is a perfect example of how political politeness gives way to propaganda. Ukrainian crisis versus Russian aggression. I entered these two definitions into Google search machine to show which definitions dominate our public discourse. And I'm sure you know, or you guess, which definition appeared more, or appears more in our vocabulary. It is Ukrainian crisis. 15 times more. 22 million searches for Ukrainian crisis, and 1.5 million for Russian aggression. What it shows, it shows how we perceive the situation. We perceive the situation where a five-fold, five times big country occupies part of another country, deploys 1,000 tanks and heavy machines, when there are 9,000 people killed and 1.6 million internally displaced people. We define it as a Ukrainian crisis. It is surely, I mean, it surely becomes my problem if a neighbor puts a tank in my garden. But really, is it? To me, it resembles, you know, a very, uh, the, the cause of the death of the, the Russian opposition. It is the heart failure after endless beating or poisoning. So I think that is a clear win of propaganda when propaganda makes us use their words, their vocabulary. And repeating this definition of Ukrainian crisis 22 million times. Nobel uh, writer <clears throat> uh, Michael Kahneman, uh, who analyzed the way we think, he said that repetition turns familiar into real, into truth. So why don't we use words or more words that we want to be heard? <clears throat> Take another example with Brexit. I didn't know what is the alternative for breakfast. For breakfast, not for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I had to Google it. I didn't know what is the for campaign for UK staying in the European Union. It says, I mean, it might say a bit about me, but it says a lot about the in campaign. I Googled it, and it is stronger in. It does have 20 million search results, but just because of its <laughs> resemblance to Kanye West's lyric song. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure all of you know the story of two men who were spotted in uh, digging a ditch in the field and they were asked, what are you doing? One man said, I'm just digging a ditch for a foundation. And the other guy said, I'm building the future, a house to my kids. So that is the difference in the attitude that makes a lot. So I invite us to look to words from the perspective of the world we are building with them. Because words that dominate make our world as well. But on the other side, we should not get too innovative with definitions as well. <clears throat> there was a BBC study a few years, two years ago or a year ago 
uh, analyzing uh, Russian and Ukrainian media reporting <coughs> of, the, uh, of the Crimean occupation. And uh, their re result was that Russian media uses emotive language. Emotive language. Emotive is when you post kittens on Facebook. <laughs> it's not when you invite to kill. So why not to call simply incitement of hatred or incitement of war? Why emotive language? Why not propaganda? So to call it incitement of hatred and to repeat it many, many, many times in order we don't get lost. <clears throat> and our politicians, they need to use more not only of simple words, but simply of the same words over and over again to make sure that our narratives lead and also our words dominate as well. <clears throat> the third element I want to talk about is focus. And Russian propaganda against Lithuania is very disciplined. Uh, there are many ways to classify it, I will take the one used by uh, Edward Lucas, is that Lithuania is failed, friendless, fascist. So any report that comes our way fits in one of those categories. Fail because government doesn't deliver on something, as if it is anything surprising. Uh, friendless because NATO will never defend us or EU will never defend our interests because we are just a tiny little state. And fascists, just because it hurts, because during the Second World War, uh, nearly 90% of the Lithuanian Jewish population uh, was killed. <clears throat> so all messages, they fall into one of those three categories, always leaving a reader or a viewer with a very clear takeaway. It's very simple, vaguely simple, and actually consistently, uh, boringly consistent. So they have not seven priorities, not 17 priorities, they have three. And it's the same with the Russian narrative against, or Russian propaganda against the West, that the West is rotten, divided, and hostile. Remem uh, Putin a few months ago said that, the that Russia stands for um, spirituality and values, while the West stands for uh, interests that unity of sanctions is not existing and Crimea had to be occupied because NATO threatened to invade. So now guess how many narratives there are on the Western side? Definitely not three. We don't have the leading story. Uh, and that is clearly illustrated in those 22 million search results for Ukrainian crisis because we cannot decide what Russia's role is. Is it an aggressor? or it is an observer. I remember uh, one of the, one NATO sec new NATO Secretary General, after joining, he introduced the rule of three. Nothing more with three bullets, or failing to fit into one page was admitted to the private office. Believe me, he got a lot of enemies in the, in, in, among the international staff members. <clears throat> I was one of them at the beginning. But after I joined minister's team, I did the same to those submitting materials to the minister's speeches. Uh, always asking, what are the three key things? Not seven, not 27, but three. 
And believe me, nothing motivates my colleagues better than not seeing their elements integrated into the final speech. And, and, and I have always the excuse that, sorry, I just get lost in those 25 pages you sent me. So I just took what I thought is important. So every time, they, next time they submit those, uh, the, the, the information, they try to be more disciplined. <clears throat> in the end, it serves good to all. But as my minister says as well, if it's not good, it means it's not the end yet. <laughs> and I still get five to seven key things, even though I never write send me some information. I, I always write send me three things. And if I want more, I will come back. And I do come back. So we, as a speechwriters, have a role here. <clears throat> we, as the Western, the Western world, we do not win yet because we gave up good communication tools for, for the use of bad guys, uh, bad guys only. We gave up emotions, we gave up consistency, <clears throat> and we gave up clarity. And my call today is to insert emotions whenever we write a speech. Think about words from that other perspective, from the world we are building with them, <clears throat> and to be boringly simple and consistent. All this because we cannot let those other guys win. Because populism, extremism, and radicalism, they belong to fringes, not to the forefront. <clears throat> and we have a role to play. So we are in a kind of battle. And the sad truth here is that speechwriters, as communicators, we are as an infantry. We die first. But for a very good cause, not to be ruled by evil men. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>